Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. How are we? Good, good. Who's had a good start to the new year? Yeah, a couple of them, three people have, four, awesome. Hey, it's uh, really good to... uh, to be here today at, at Gateway Logan. Every time I come down here, I, uh, I meet new people, I catch up uh, with old friends, and I just love hearing and seeing what, uh, what God is doing here. It's, uh, it's so exciting. And I, I really believe that uh, the best is yet to come. You know, I, I believe that what God is going to do uh, this year and in this season we're walking into as a church, and I actually believe this uh, for all of our campuses uh, uh, across Gateway, I, I believe we're going to see God do some mighty things this year. Uh, the, the word, and you're going to hear about this at Vision Weekend, but uh, Gateway Logan will get just a little bit of a, uh, a sneak peek before anybody else. I haven't, I haven't said this to any other campus uh, yet, and I've been going around speaking at a bunch of the other campuses over uh, the last uh, few weeks. I just really believe the word that God has put on our heart uh, for, for 2020 is just the word presence. I believe God is growing a new hunger for his presence in our church. A church that's hungry for the presence of God, is hungry to actually know his presence and his power that, uh, that brings transformation and change. And a church that's hungry to actually take you know, the, the presence of God into dark places, into, into places that desperately need a, a touch of his healing presence. And uh, I'm really looking forward to what God is going to do. Another little sneak peek for you, just to get ready. I really believe God's calling us to 21 days of prayer and fasting as we kick our year off in, in February. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't, I'm going to, I'm going to be teaching into this and Dave will be teaching into it in, uh, in February. But if you haven't you know, fasted before, you have, there hasn't been a, a spiritual discipline in your life of just coming before God and saying, God, I'm hungry, but I'm actually more hungry for you than anything else in this world. Uh, I, I believe that, and I've, I've known it personally in my own life, that uh, through, through uh, prolonged times of prayer and fasting is when God brings blessing and breakthrough that we would not otherwise see. And so I want to encourage you uh, just to start reading. Just start reading the accounts in Scripture. Start, start reading uh, some stories online of uh, the way God works through uh, prayer and fasting. You're going to hear more about that in, uh, in the weeks to come. I believe it's going to be a really exciting season in our church and God is, uh, is going to unlock some uh, things in our lives and in our community that, uh, that uh, have, have been locked in the past. And I believe God's here this morning. Anyone else here believe God's here this morning? Yeah, God's here this morning and God wants to break through and God wants to bless this morning. So let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your presence with us. Thank you that you're always present. God, thank you that when you promised that you'd never leave us nor forsake us, you've been faithful to that promise throughout the centuries. 
God, thank you that you've been faithful to that promise throughout 90 years of being a church called, uh, of, called Gateway. God, thank you that you've been faithful to your promises here at Logan. And uh, God, I just thank you that you are here with us this morning. We, we just want to say, Holy Spirit, you're so welcome here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Welcome to come and transform us from the inside out and to make us new. God, would you do that this morning? Would you stir up the new thing within us that you want to do in us this year? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have begun a new year. In fact, we've begun a new decade in the last uh, couple of weeks. And there'll be a bunch of us here, whether we've told anyone about it or not, or whether it's just something that, that's in our mind. We, we've all made some New Year's resolutions. There's some things that we, we kind of want to see happen in, in 2020. Some of us stick them uh, on our, our mirror. We put it on post-it notes. We write it on our screensavers. And we're very, very open about the new things we want to see happen in 2020. Others, it's just this nagging little thing in our mind that this is going to be important uh, for me in 2020. This is something new I want to step into. It's something that you want to see change in your life in 2020. Some of us maybe want to be skinnier or stronger in 2020. You might want to exercise more and watch less TV. Or you might want to work less and play more in 2020. Maybe in 2020 you want to give up smoking or you want to give up snacking. Or maybe you want to give up Snapchatting. Or maybe you want to give up shoplifting. Anyone here just decided this is the year to, to give up shoplifting? Or there's something new that you actually want to do. You, you want to learn to sing or to sail or to, uh, to sew or to surf or... Or maybe you uh, want to learn to skydive, or maybe you're kind of past the age of skydiving, and this is the year you'd really love to play shuffleboard. And uh, but you, you, there's something new. That there's something new that you uh, you want to see happen in your life. It's something that you didn't manage to achieve in 2019, but you believe 2020 is the year. Now you don't need me to tell you that most New Year's resolutions fail dismally. Why? Because change is hard. Change in our lives is really hard. Habits are hard to break. Hurts are hard to heal. History is hard to erase. And so the new thing that you want to see happen in your life, I'm sure it's a good thing. But many of these new things we want to see happen in our life don't happen, even though they're good. Because change is really hard work. Now, in God's Word, He doesn't say anything about New Year's resolutions. But He actually says a lot from start to finish about making us new. He says that we're a new creation in Christ. He's given us a new birth. He's put a new heart within us. He's taken out a heart of stone and, and, he's, and he's given us a heart that is like his heart, a soft heart. 
He's put a new song in our mouth. He's given us a new name. We are now children of God. And right at the end of the Bible, one of the last declarations that Jesus makes as he sits upon his throne in all power and all authority, he says, behold, I am making all things new. I'm making all things new. You see, part of the redeeming work of Jesus in the world is restoring everything in the world, including us, to its original created order. He's making all things new. You see, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, but he's a God of new beginnings. His nature never changes. His love is steadfast. It doesn't shift his, his character doesn't change in any way. His love will never run out for you. You know, he's, he's faithful to the very end. But this is the thing I want us to get about God this morning. He's always got something new he wants to do in your life. I don't care whether you've been following Jesus for five minutes or 50 years or whether you're here this morning and you haven't yet become a follower of Jesus. You're still trying to kind of work things out, who Jesus is, what this whole God and church thing is. And it's great to have you here if that's you. But wherever you are on that spectrum, there's something new that God wants to do in your life in 2020. He always does. There's something new that he wants to do to make you more like Jesus. That, that, that's what he'll always be doing until Jesus comes again. There's something new that he wants to do in your life to make you more like Jesus. And in 2020, I don't know if you're going to get skinnier or stronger. I, I don't know whether you're going to stop Snapchatting or shoplifting. I kind of hope you do. But what I do know is that God will do something new in your life if you let him. Because it's what he's always at work doing. And it might not be a, a new resolution that will give you new life in, in 2020, but it might actually be a new revelation of who Jesus is. You see, I'm telling you, what's much more powerful than a new resolution is a new revelation of who Jesus is. You see, a new revelation of who Jesus is will actually lead to a new life. I'm going to read today from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says this, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. But listen to these words, how differently we know him now. The Apostle Paul's writing these words, and he's saying, once upon a time, and he's talking about, you know, the people of Israel in general. And he's, he's talking to the church in, in Corinth, and he's saying, once upon a time, we viewed Jesus from a human point of view. Some of you saw him as a teacher or a prophet or a miracle worker. Others of you saw him as an insurgent or a troublemaker or a crucified criminal. But you're looking at him merely from a human point of view. 
But he says how differently we know him now. We've got a new revelation of who Jesus actually is. And it's changed everything. We now know that Jesus Christ, who was crucified on a cross was crucified to forgive the sins of all mankind. He was not a crucified criminal. He was actually the Son of God who gave up his life so that you could live. He was actually, uh, he who knew no sin became sin for you so that we could become the righteousness of God. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead and he's alive today. We've got this new revelation of who Jesus is and that has changed everything. It's changed everything. It's changed his teaching. It's changed the what, what he prophesied about. It's changed what we understand about his miracles. It's changed what, what we saw on the cross and what we believed the cross was all about. It's changed his actions that we once thought were just troublemaking actions. It's changed everything how differently we see him now and because we now know that Jesus Christ is the risen son of God, we no longer live for ourselves. We no longer live selfishly. We actually now live to serve Jesus. It's changed everything. And I wonder if there's some of us here this morning that need a new revelation of who Jesus is and it will change the way you live. Because once again, I don't care whether you've been following Jesus for five minutes or 50 years, you don't know everything there is to know about Jesus yet. I don't know everything there is to know about Jesus yet. Or while we're on earth, we see through glass darkly. And bit by bit and day by day, as we, as we press into Jesus, he reveals more of who he is to us in just the right season. And I believe he wants to do that for some of you here today. You see, it's a new revelation that actually has power to change the way that you live. You see, I, I saw a revelation from heaven when I was 13 years old. I was sitting in the back row of a church much like this. And, 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 and the revelation walked on stage. And I thought she was an angel from heaven. She was wearing a blue girls brigade uniform. And she had big, buffy hair. Little 80s style, you know, hair, all hair sprayed up. And, and, and she was singing a song with a whole bunch of other girls' brigade girls, but I only had eyes for her. She was an angel from heaven. I just remember sitting in the back row going, I'm going to marry that girl one day. And I did. She was here last week. Thankfully, she doesn't have the big buffy hair anymore. <laughs> She's preaching at Mackenzie today, so I can say whatever I jolly well like about her. It was a revelation from heaven. As a 13-year-old boy, it changed my life. I, you, this is unbelievable. I started showering as a 13-year-old boy more than once a week. I, I started to wear deodorant. You know, I, I actually started to take pride in the way that I looked. I would walk into my sister's room and, and say, how do I look? You know, can I, is this, a, is this a good outfit? And my sisters who'd just seen me as a slob for the last 13 years, they said, who is this new person? Who is this new brother that we have? You see, my mum had been now, I started to brush my teeth. You know, I, I started to do things that I'd never done before in 13 years previously. Things that my mum had been nagging me about for 13 years, badgering me about. All of a sudden, 
I was a new person, not because my mum was nagging me, but because I had seen a new revelation from heaven. It changed everything. Now, let me tell you, you know, the revelation of a teenage girl to a teenage boy is powerful. Let me tell you, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is more powerful than any other revelation that we'll have. Some of us need a new revelation of who Jesus is. Peter needed a new revelation of who Jesus is. Peter was one of the first people to have people. Was, Peter was one of the, there's only peas in there. Peter was one of the first people to have a new revelation of who Jesus is. Everyone else was seeing him from a human point of view. In Matthew chapter 16, you know, Jesus comes to, to Peter and says, who do people say that I am? And Peter says, well, some say you're John the Baptist, you know, a, a prophet. Some say Elijah, a great miracle worker and prophet from, from the past. They're seeing him from a human point of view. But Jesus said to Peter, well, who do you say I am? And Jesus says, I, I believe you are the son of the living God. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. Nobody told you this. This was revealed to you. This was a revelation from heaven. My father revealed this to you. Then his next words are, because of this revelation, you, Simon, this was his name up until that point, will now be called Peter, which means little rock. You are the rock on which I will build my church. You see, when you get a revelation of who Jesus really is, it leads to a new life of serving him. I'm going to use you, Peter, to begin the church. And then those great words, he says, and the gates of hell will never be able to overcome it. Credible promise, promise of power. But then you only got to fast forward, a, you know, a number of days and weeks and Peter stuffs up something supreme. He completely messes it up. As one of Jesus' best mates and Jesus in his, in his darkest hour desperately needs his friends there with him. As Jesus is being led away to be crucified, a young servant girl comes to him and says, you're one of them, you're with Jesus. And Peter says, Jesus who? I don't even know what you're talking about. This man that was supposed to be called the rock who Jesus was gonna build his church on and the gates of hell itself would not be able to overcome it. He's so scared of a little servant girl. He says, I don't know what you're talking about. He doesn't just stuff up once. But that same scenario happens not twice, three times. Peter completely denies Jesus, stuffs up something supreme. And day, days later, Peter thinks it's all over. This life of serving Jesus is finished. And he, along with the rest of the disciples, go back to what they were doing before, before Jesus called them. They go back to fishing. And then there's this awesome picture, this awesome revelation of the heart of Jesus, the end of John's gospel. Jesus, who's just been betrayed and deserted and denied by all of his best friends, what does he do? Turns up on the beach to chastise them, to point his finger at them, to punish them, 
It's an incredible picture. He turns up on the beach and he cooks them breakfast. He serves them. And while they're out in the water, he recreates the miracle from when he first called them. They're out there, they're fished all night and not caught anything. He says, throw your nets out the other side. Just like the first time, they throw their nets out the other side. They catch a miraculous catch of fish. In fact, it says 153 large fish. They'd never seen so many large fish before. Their nets begin to break. Once again, they they pull it back in. And then Peter, Jesus comes directly to Peter, who is stuffed up three times. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And, and Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. He says, well, feed my sheep. Get on with it. Get on with what I told you to do. Build my church. Look after my church. Look after my people. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, I love you. Well, feed my sheep. Get on with it. Build my church. Third time, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, I love you. Well, get on with it because I love you too. I wonder if there's some of us here this morning who need a revelation like Peter had that morning, that morning of the God of second chances. Jesus deliberately recreates the original miracle from the original calling. And then not once, not twice, but three times, just like Peter has denied him three times, puts his hands on his shoulders. Peter, who's got his head down and he's embarrassed at himself, he's ashamed, he's disappointed, he's despondent. Jesus just lifts up his head. says, Peter, if you still love me, get on with what I've called you to do because I still love you. I reckon there's some of us here this morning We've messed up. You've made mistakes. You did that thing you said you're never going to do again. And, and, and right now, no one around you might know it, but your head's down. You're disappointed. You're despondent. You're wondering whether you know, Jesus still got a purpose for your life, whether he's still you know, got something he's calling you to do. Today, Jesus is grabbing you by the shoulders and he's lifting up your head. And he's saying to you, do you love me? And if your answer is yes, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. Jesus is saying, good, well get on with it because I still love you. You see, a new revelation of Jesus leads to a new life of serving Jesus. Paul, who who wrote 2 Corinthians and wrote half of the New Testament, he needed a new revelation of Jesus and it was different to the revelation that Peter needed of the the forgiveness and the unconditional love of Jesus. Paul, Paul thought he was living, Paul was living an egocentric life. He he thought he had it all together. He was a Jew, he was part of God's chosen people. He he wasn't just any old Jew, he was a Pharisee. He'd he'd been taught by one of the great rabbis. He he knew the law better than anybody else and he he was zealous in following the law more than anyone else. He thought he more than anybody else was right with God because of what he'd done, living an egocentric life. He was measuring how good he was before God and how much God would want to use him by his own goodness. And he's on his way, he believes, he, had a, he had a, saw Jesus from a human point of view, saw him as a troublemaker, an insurgent, and a crucified criminal. And he's on his way to wipe out Jesus' little band of followers. 
those that are left, that are still hanging on, that are still declaring that Jesus is the Son of the living God, that he's risen from the dead. He's on the way to Damascus to get rid of some more. And as he's on the way to Damascus, he has a revelation of Jesus. The risen Jesus turns up on that road like a bright shining light from heaven. And Paul, who's not walking around with his head down and despondent, he's walking around with a swagger. I mean, Paul's the man. He has power. He is swaggering around. He thinks, you know, he's the man who is actually going to put, you know, these Jesus people out of business. But he gets such a powerful revelation of Jesus that he ends up sitting on his backside, just looking up at the risen Jesus, knowing that he's seeing the most powerful person that he's ever seen in his life, but having no idea who it is. Jesus turns up and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he simply just looks up and says, well, who are you, Lord? Who are you? He says, I'm Jesus who you've been persecuting. And this revelation of Jesus just knocks him on his backside. And this wasn't just a second chance at life for Paul. This was a whole new chapter. There was chapter one before Jesus, egocentric life. There was chapter two after Jesus, a life completely dependent on the most powerful person that he's ever met. Knowing that his own righteousness and his own power added up to nothing. He says, all of that in the past I now consider rubbish. He says, now that I know who Jesus is, all I want is to know Jesus. I want to share in his sufferings and I want to know the power of his resurrection. I don't want anything else. That's all I want. Not just a second chance, it's a whole new chapter. And in this revelation, Jesus says to him, Paul, you are going to be a light to the world. You're going to be a light to the Gentiles, those that are right now in the darkness about who I am. You're going to shine a light on who I am. You see, both Peter and Paul, different revelation because of the circumstances they are in their life but it completely changed their lives. Peter did take his second chance. He did stand up weeks later and he shared the gospel for the very first time. 3,000 people were saved. The church was birthed and 2,000 years later, the gates of hell have still not been able to overcome it anywhere in the world, nor here in Logan. As we preach the gospel, people's lives are still being changed forever. And they will be until Jesus comes again. And Paul, he does take the gospel to the darkest places of the known world at the time who have never, ever heard about Jesus. Churches were planted and from there churches have gone all around the world and the, his writings in the New Testament have been changing people's lives, have been a light on who Jesus is for the last 2,000 years. I'm telling you. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made in the past. It doesn't matter whether you've been living living an egocentric life in the past and you're kind of measuring what God can possibly do through you by, by your level of goodness. A new revelation of Jesus 
will change everything. I tell you, resolutions don't bring much change, but revelations do. Let me get really practical here for a minute. You want a new revelation of Jesus this year? Let me make this real simple. Read your Bible. I'll just say it one more time in case we didn't hear it. You want a new revelation of Jesus this year? Read your Bible. The revealed Word of God reveals to us who God is. It's why we've got a Bible reading plan that we put out every year. We change it up a little bit every year. But this year, our Bible reading plan, you can pick it up on paper, up on the welcome desk. You can jump online. It's all online. It's simple. It's just a chapter a day. And and look, if you haven't started already, we're only up to uh, Matthew 13. Just jump in. Don't try and catch up. Just start at Matthew 13. Just start reading. And can I say, I've put in here this year just a way of reading the Bible. And this isn't for everyone. But if you don't know how to actually practically just read the Bible and have a quiet time every day, I've put in here a way that I would say has been the most transforming spiritual discipline in my life for the last 15 years. It's just simple. It's just the SOAP Bible reading method. SOAP just stands for Scripture, I just read a chapter of Scripture until there's a verse that really stands out to me. I really believe God's speaking to me about, and I write out that verse word for word. O stands for observation. God, what are you saying? What are you doing in that verse? What what is it that you've wanted me to take notice of that? A just stands for application. God, what is it you want me to actually do about this? How do I apply it? How do I put it into practice? And then P is simply prayer. I just write out a prayer, God, would you help me to be that person, to become more like Jesus in that way, whatever it is. I tell you, the discipline of reading methodically and taking the time, and I just want to talk particularly to blokes for a minute. Us blokes aren't good at journaling in general. The discipline to actually write out word for word what God is saying in your prayers. It's been the most spiritually transforming practice uh, of my life. I really want to encourage you. You want a new revelation of Jesus this year and it will be powerful. When Jesus gives you a new revelation, a new understanding of who he is, it is always powerful. Read his word. His revealed word will reveal to us who he is. A new revelation of Jesus leads to a new life of serving Jesus. Secondly, a new relationship with Christ makes you a new creation in Christ. Let's read this next part of 2 Corinthians 5. It says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Let me read it in the NIV as well. Some of you will know it better in this version. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. Fantastic promise. Just a brilliant promise in Scripture. 
It's one of those promises that we cross-stitch on our walls. You know, we put it on a screensaver, you know, on, on our computer. You know, we, we write it somewhere to remember. It's one of those verses. Many of us here in this room, it's, it's one of the verses that, that, that we might have memorized. If, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Great promise. I actually think sometimes we can get depressed by that verse. I think sometimes we read that verse and we go, it sounds good, but I'm looking at my life and there's still some old rubbish there. There's still some old habits. There's still some old hurts. There's still some old attitudes that I know aren't good. Maybe Jesus really isn't as powerful as I thought. Or maybe Jesus just doesn't work for me. And then where that leads to is, or maybe Jesus just doesn't like me. That this promise is true for some people, but it's not for others because I still got this old stuff hanging around. I just want to look at three words today that are in this scripture that I hope will both encourage us and challenge us as we look at the new thing, the change that God wants to do in our life this year. Begun, belong, become. Say them with me. Begun, belong, become. Let's have a look at this photo up on the screen. Okay, who here thinks they know what that is? Just yell it out if you think you know what it is. Eagle, anyone else? Chicken, anyone else? Albatross, penguin. You think it's a penguin too? All right, let's, it's hard to tell what this is, but can we all agree a new life has? There is a family to which it Okay, it actually belongs to the, let me look this up, the Asapetridae family. New life has begun. It belongs to a family. But one day, this ugly, fluffy, flightless thing will become a mighty eagle. And it will soar longer. And it will fly higher than any other bird. See, a new life has begun. It belongs to a new family who will nurture it, protect it, so that one day it becomes all that God intended it to be. Have a look at this next one. What do you think this might be? Any ideas? Yell it out. Come on. Have a guess. Uh, polar bear? Anyone else? Yep. A puppy? Could be. Anyone else? Uh, a kangaroo? It's hard to tell, isn't it? But can we all agree a new life has? There's a family to which it? It's called the Ursidae family. But this ugly kind of little thing that we're not kind of sure what it is will one day become a beautiful panda bear 
that he's desired the world over. You know the panda bears, only about 2,000 left of them in the wild. They actually only live in this tiny little dot in this tiny little part of China. But it's so beautiful that it's known all over the world. Everyone knows the panda bear. One more. Anyone know what this is? Have a guess. I need a bit more. <laughs> okay, can we all agree a new life has? There's a family to which it? And one day it will become a giant sequoia tree. Californian redwood, tallest tree, grows up to 85 metres, some to 3,000 years old. You see, all of those things, those, those, those little new lives that began, it's hard to tell what they're going to become, but they're, they're all dependent on, on, in different ways, in different ways their family protects them, nurtures them, helps them to grow. But within them is, is everything. God's already put everything within them to become all that He intended them to be. The, the panda, the eagle and the sequoia, they're not sitting there going, oh, I've just got to try harder to become, you know, what God wants me to become. I've just got to kind of strain through that soil. I've just got to push my wings out. It's only God that can bring that new life and God has put all of that within them, but they've got to be in a family, they've got to be in an environment to become all that they can be. Just one last one. Who do you think that might be? That's me. It's a little baby. If I wasn't up here, you wouldn't be able to tell. New life has begun. There's a family to which I, that's my crazy family. They're a bunch of nut jobs. But more importantly, I've, I've belonged to another family for the last 16 years. The, the Gateway family, that was a day where all of our campuses came together to celebrate our, our 90th birthday. We're now a family in five different places. I've been part of this family now for 16 years. Can I say, I've needed this family to help me to become all that God's intended for me. I've needed you to pray for me, to encourage me, to protect me, to care for me. And I'd like to think in 16 years, I've become just a little bit more like Jesus than I was 16 years ago. A little bit more loving, a little bit more peaceful, a little bit more joy, a little bit more secure in who he's called me to be. You see, little by little, as I place myself in the right environment, all that God's intended for me, I can become. If you've put your faith in Christ, a new life has begun. It has. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do to change it. Christ has given you new life. He's brought you into a relationship with God. It's a brand new life. It's begun. It has. Can't change it. There's a family to which you belong. You belong to the family of God, the family of Christ, your brothers and sisters in Christ. And he's called you to be part of this family at this time here at Gateway Logan. 
Nothing can change that. No one can, can, can take you. No one can separate you from the love of God and pull you out of God's family. You belong. And all that God's intended for you to become, he has put within you. That new creation has come. You've got to put yourself in the right environment, reading his word and meeting with his family where you get protected and encouraged and nurtured. And can I say particularly to parents here this morning, get your kids to church. Get your kids to, to youth group. A place where at a really important new life stage, they're nurtured in their faith. But this is true for all of us because we're all still becoming who God intended us to be and we actually need one another. Can I encourage you at the beginning of 2020, make a commitment. I've been saying this for nearly 16 years now. Be in one worship service every week. Be in one life group where you're doing life with others and find one place to serve. Be in the environment where, where, where people can protect you, nurture you, encourage you, pray for you. A new relationship with Christ makes you a new creation in Christ. And he's, as you put yourself in the environment, you'll become all that he's intended you to be. Lastly, the old message of reconciliation through Christ still gives others new life in Christ. This good news isn't just for us. Paul goes on to say, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. It's a task he's given us. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Don't ever get used to how good that is. God doesn't count his, our sins against us. Can someone say, Amen, ye are, or praise the Lord, or something? <laughs> All of those things. He no longer counts people's sins against them. Good news. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We actually speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead with people, come back to God. Has anyone here been playing backyard cricket over the summer season? I'm the only one. <laughs> oh, yeah, Gav, there's a few. There's a few. Thank Jesus. There's a few cricket players down here. It's part of what we do. We, our family hardly play cricket at all these days, except for those few days between Christmas and New Year. It just seems to be the thing that we do. And what, what, the, what Jesus is saying here to us is that God is making his appeal through us. Now, in cricket, this might be hard if you don't know too much about cricket, but in cricket, you know, what do you do when, when somebody makes a mistake, when somebody, you know, uh, does the wrong thing? What do we do? We make an? Okay, I don't know about your backyard, but my backyard, 
When we make an appeal, it's a passionate appeal. There's all different types of appeal. Just have a look on the screen. You know, there is, there's the pleader. It's like um, plead, not pleading for people to come back to God. There's pleading with the umpire to be nice to them. It's hazard! And then there's other types of appeals. I call this one the, uh, the star jump appeal. That's where everyone in unison, it's all choreographed. It's kind of like, how's that? It's not dancing before the Lord, it's dancing before the umpire, hoping to persuade him with your dancing. And then there's one last one. I, I call this the, uh, the pants splitter. You've got to be wearing your stretch chinos for this one. And it's very, very passionate. It's how's that? We all make different types of appeals. I don't care what type of appeal you make, but we make an appeal to people to come back to God. Make it passionately. I saw many over Christmas invite family and friends to our Christmas services and our carol services. If that's what you do, if that's what you just, you know the power of God when you're doing that, do that. Some of you share your story of what Jesus has done in your life. You know the power and the presence of God in that place. Do that passionately. Some of you love defending the Scriptures intellectually and you do it passionately. Do that. Others of you could not think of anything worse. But you love putting your arm around someone in need and just praying for them on the streets. Do that. Whatever type of appeal you make, the gospel of Jesus Christ is still the only power in this world to change a human heart. We all know change is hard. But when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the one who became sin for us, the one who knew no sin, who didn't deserve to go to that cross, but became sin for us, we become the righteousness of God. We get reconciled with our Creator. The one who made us in the beginning begins to make us new. He changes us from the inside out. The gospel, the old message of reconciliation that hasn't changed for 2,000 years. The way we share it might change. Whatever way you share it, share it passionately. Make your appeal passionately. This is important. It's the thing that can change a person's eternal destiny. It's the thing that can change a person's heart that's messing it up with bitterness and anger and unforgiveness and drugs and alcohol, whatever they're messing it up with. It's the thing that can actually change a human heart. I believe with all of my heart, this old message of reconciliation, the old gospel message, simple gospel message. It is the only thing that can change the city of Logan. It's the only thing that can bring heaven to earth and make all things new. Whatever way you make an appeal in 2020, make it passionately. Jesus is the one that gives us new life and He puts within us all that we need to become who God originally intended us to be. If we put ourselves in the right environment at the end of 2020, you're going to look more like Jesus than you did right now. You'll change your more peace, more love, more joy, more self-control. He will. 
If you let Him, He'll make you more like Jesus this year, a little bit more than last year. One day we'll be in glory and it's going to be a good day. (laughs) No more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, no more brokenness. But right now, as we share this good news about Jesus, we can actually see heaven come to earth. People's lives change forever. Hey, I just want to make an appeal this morning before I pray for a bunch of people. If you're here and you don't know a relationship with the living God through faith in Jesus Christ, you haven't asked Him to forgive your sins. Right now, you'd say, my sins are still counting against me. Maybe you're trying to make up for your sins. Maybe you've never really thought about God ever or for a long time. Maybe once upon a time you did, but you've walked a long way from Him. This morning, I just want to make an appeal. I want to give you an opportunity. I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads. But I'm going to pray a prayer with you. And if this morning you'd like to put your faith in Christ, you'd like Him to forgive your sins, the one who knew no sin to become sin for you, so that you can be made right with God today, right now. If you want to pray that prayer today, either for the first time or the first time in a long time, just while everyone's eyes are closed and heads bowed, just stick your hand up just for a second so I can see it and I know who I'm praying with. Who's here today and you say, that's my prayer. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. That's cool, bless you. Anyone else today, you say, that is my prayer. Okay, you can put your hands down. That's cool, I see those hands. Just if that's you today, pray with me. Just pray in the quietness of your own heart. Father God, thank you that you've always loved me. I'm sorry for the way that I've sinned against you. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. I ask today that you would forgive my sin that my sins would no longer count against me. I want to start a new life of following you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we just put our hands together, just encourage those guys. Hey, one of our welcome team would just love to catch up with you this morning, give you some information about getting started in that relationship with Him. Hey, can we all just stand this morning? I'd love us to finish. We're going to sing in a moment, but I'd just love to pray for some people. I just believe there's some people here today. And uh, 2020, you are stepping into a new chapter. It might be a new chapter in your family. It might be a new chapter in business. It might be a new chapter in a relationship. It might be a new chapter in a ministry. You just know God's called you to shine a light into dark places. I don't know what it is. I just believe God wants to pour out a blessing on you today. In that new chapter, as you step out into the new thing that He has for you, that you would know the presence of God with you, the power of God with you, and that there would be a new revelation of His grace and of His power that He gives you as you step in to that, that new season. Right, just before we sing, I'd just love to pray for a bunch of people. If that's you, you just say, hey, we've got a new chapter coming up in our family or I've got a new chapter I'm, I'm stepping into in my life. Or I just, there's this dream in my heart. I just believe, you know, God's calling me into. Can I just get you to come out the front just right now? 
just just come right now. I'm going to get some people to gather around you. And we're just going to, uh, we're going to pray for you today. Can I, can I just get you, if, if you're out here and you want to receive prayer today, just, just stick your arms out like this. Just say, God, I want what you got for me. God, I need you. Just stick your hands out. I'm just going to ask anyone else, maybe I know there's some on the prayer team that are coming. We might need a few others just to come, some of our life group leaders or people who just, you know and love these guys, you want to stand uh, with them. I'm going to pray for them all together, but then I'd love, just, just put a hand on their shoulder and just begin to let God's Word and God's heart well up in your heart this morning. Just, just speak, get ready to speak a word over them word in season, a word of power, a word of grace, a word of encouragement. Just, just let God put a word in your heart as you, uh, as you get ready to pray. Father God, thank you. I just thank you that uh, you have called each of these people into relationship with you, into your family. Thank you that they have they're part of this family here at Logan. God, I just believe that you've got them here on purpose, for a purpose, and I believe that you've, you've had them here this morning, because God, this is, this is a word for them this morning. They're hungry for you. They're hungry to know your power, your presence, your provision, your protection as they step in to the new place that you've called them to. And God, I just believe you're wanting to confirm to a bunch of people here this morning that you have placed them there. This is, this is your doing. Even if it seems like there's just random circumstances that have happened. God, you're, you are ultimately in control. You are able to work all things together for good. The good, the bad and the ugly. For those that are, love you and are called according to your purposes. And I believe every person here this morning is called according to your purposes. God, would you pour out your power? God, would you pour out your grace? God, wisdom in this season. Just a fresh word in this season. A word that will sustain them. A word that will strengthen them. A word that will stay with them through the, through the good and the bad. God, as they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that word will be a light to them. They'll keep just looking to, to the light of your truth. It'll be a guide for their feet, a guide for their steps. When everything around them seems dark, when their circumstances seem dark, God, your word will be a light for their feet. God, you will lead them in paths of life. In your presence, there will be fullness of joy. The joy won't come from circumstances. The joy won't come from outcomes. The joy will come simply because you are there. You'll always be there. You'll always be their shepherd. You'll never leave them nor forsake them. God, would you bless them today? In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I was going to get people to stay here for a moment. Let someone pray over you this morning. Our team's going to lead us. This is the chorus of this song. God makes a way. He shines a light. He's the one who's faithful to His promise. Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. 
Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world.